0: You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is on the subject Greatness. Hello, my radio friends. I'm so glad you've joined me today for another in the series, Give Me the Bible. And I sincerely hope that these programs are helping you understand spiritual matters more clearly and are helping you to better interact with others in your daily lives. It's very obvious to me that That selfishness and what seems to be as a born-in desire to be number one is the cause of much unhappiness, intolerance and suffering in the world. And today we will consider this issue of being number one from a biblical perspective and see what wisdom the Bible presents on the subject. Basic to all selfishness and the desire to be the greatest is what happened in heaven when Lucifer, one of the most important angels, decided to be like God. There are a couple of passages in the Bible that tell of Lucifer's push to be the greatest. and I'll quote from the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and from verses 12 to 14. The Bible says how have you fallen from heaven O morning star son of the dawn you've been cast down to the earth you who once laid low the nations you said in your heart I will ascend to the heavens I will raise my throne above the stars of God I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9, tells us that Lucifer and all the angels who were deceived by him were cast out of heaven and came down to planet earth. And boy, oh boy, What a mess they've made it. Think of the wars, the terrorism, the disharmony and social upset that is part of what seems to be life nowadays because of the evil, selfishness and unlawful activity that there is in the earth today. And this came about because we have a master liar and deceiver who has right from the beginning, wanted what was not rightfully his. Lucifer was the name that once belonged to Satan, the devil. Lucifer wanted greatness, but he went about getting it the wrong way. What will happen to him and all his followers? Revelation 20.10 gives the answer. It says, And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into that lake of burning sulphur, the lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. That then will be the end of Satan, his agents, and all sinners who have not come to God for forgiveness. They will meet their end and the universe will never be plagued by sin again. I can hardly wait to live in an environment where there will be no violence, no deception, no distrust, no striving for first place, no disharmony, no hate. It will be heaven. Recently, I was reading a section in a small but inspiring book called Humble Hero. It's a book about the life of Christ and has been read by millions of people around the world. I can honestly say that this book is one of the most inspirational books you can ever read. By the way, if you'd like a copy of this book, call the station or call our producer, Nick, and we will see that you receive a copy absolutely free with no strings attached. The book is called Humble Hero. It's an adaptation. Of a previous edition known as the desire of ages but anyhow there's a chapter in the book about John also known as John the Baptist in the chapter the writer refers to Matthew chapter 11 and Luke chapter 7 where Jesus spoke to the crowd that always seemed to be following him around he said What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written I will send my messenger before you who will prepare the way before you I tell you the truth among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist now that's from Matthew 11 verse 7 to 11 and in case you don't know John was a prophet who lived when Jesus was here on earth. He had a specific task to do, and that was to call the people to repent of their sins and be baptized. But more than that, he was to announce the coming of the Saviour, the one upon whose sacrifice all forgiveness depended. Instead of preaching to the people in the cities, especially the main city of the region at that time, Jerusalem, John lived in the wilderness, the desert, not far from the River Jordan. We are told that he lived a very simple lifestyle. There are more details about him in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, where the Bible says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to meet him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So there, out in the desert, away from any populated areas, was this man dressed in simple clothing, Eating whatever he could find, preaching the Word of God. But not only that, many people, rich, the poor, the influential, and the humble, came out to the desert and endured the hardships of the desert to simply hear him preach. And they came out in droves. John's message probably went something like this. You wicked people, you need to change. Instead of living in sin, instead of pretending you are virtuous, instead of hiding your wickedness, you need to repent, for the Messiah is coming. Get ready for him. Make the paths of your life straight. The Messiah is coming! The Messiah is coming! Forsake your ways of sin and be ready for the blessed Messiah. If you're cheating, cheat no more. If you've been having unlawful sexual relations, forsake those evil ways. If you've been lying about someone, ask to be forgiven and lie no more. Repent and be baptized. The Messiah is coming. What John said to them had a powerful effect and they asked to be forgiven of their wrongdoing and were baptized as a sign of their intention to live good, clean, pure lives. Even the king recognized his own sin and recognized that John's message was for the benefit of all. In this day and age, such a thing hardly seems possible. Who would be prepared to leave the luxury, the comfort and ease of their homes and walk the dusty trails leading out to some remote areas to hear somebody talk about the things of God, of repentance and of someone who is coming. Yet, that's what happened. Now put yourself in the place of John. If you were called on a special mission to go to a place that was uninhabited, to live off the land and to preach a message from God, would you do it? There'd be no TV or radio advertising to draw the crowds, no Facebook, no phones or social media. During the day you would have to put up with the heat and at night the cold and probably you'd have to sleep in a cave if there was one and you would not receive any remuneration for your efforts. There'd be no superannuation, sickness benefits, and no retirement plan. When your term of duty was finished, you'd have no home to go to, no family, no sweet wife to receive you back into her loving arms. You'd have to live as a kind of hermit. There'd be no family or friends to keep you company. It would be a lonely existence. And of course, there'd be no social services for you and no one to care for you in your old age. How about it? Would you do what John was asked to do? But John did what was asked of him and brought about a great revival in the areas surrounding where he lived. Yet John never sought any glory for himself. He refused to seek his own honor, but pointed everyone to Jesus, the promised one. And it was not John's reward to see the results of his own labors. John never had the privilege to be with Christ and behold the light that radiated through every word of Christ, shedding glory on the promises of prophecy. But John was no wimp he carried out his mission faithfully. How did he end up, you might be wondering? Well, at that time, the regional Roman ruler was Herod Antipas. He was living in an unlawful relationship with his brother's wife, Herodias. Herod knew about John and his calling the people to live pure lives in accordance with God's commandments and Herod was troubled in his conscience he was living in sin and I'll tell you about the rest of that straight after the break
1: Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power. Take me home. What joy shall fill mine?
0: Herod's conscience was troubled because he knew he was living in sin. But Herodias, on the other hand, was enjoying living as royalty and manipulated Herod to have John arrested and imprisoned. Herodias hated John as he condemned her living in this illegitimate relationship. To please her, Herod unwittingly had John incarcerated, although he recognised John was a good man and had committed no crime. John disapproved of the king living in an adulterous relationship also. So there was this tension. The king wanted to preserve John's life, and Herodias wanted John out of the way. And it so happened that on the King's birthday, he gave a great party, inviting all the government officials to celebrate with him. Wine flowed freely, and the King wanted to impress the assembled guests. In his semi-drunken state, surrounded by semi-drunken guests, the King called for Salome, Herodias' daughter, to come and dance. It must have been a very provocative dance and the guests highly approved. In a magnanimous but drunken gesture, the king told Salome that as a reward for what she had done, she could ask anything of him, the king, and it would be given her. Salome then consulted with her mother Herodias, what she should ask for. Now this was Herodias's chance. She instructed to ask for John the Baptist's head to be brought in on a platter, a tray. Realising he had been foolish but not wanting to lose face in front of all the government officials, Herod reluctantly gave orders to the jailer to cut John's head off and that it be brought into the party on a platter. And I quote from the book, Humble Hero, page 97. Herodias gloated in her revenge and assured herself that Herod's conscience would no longer be troubled. But no happiness resulted. People came to abhor her name while Herod was tormented by remorse. He was constantly trying to find relief from a guilty conscience. As he recalled John's self-denial, his solemn, earnest appeals, his sound judgment and counsels, and then remembered how he'd come to his death, Herod could find no rest. What an end to John, this faithful, self-sacrificing man, who put aside all the pleasures of life to please God, and be the means of saving others. Many times over, Herod must have regretted what he had done to John. But Jesus, speaking about John, as you may remember, described him as the greatest of the great. Now, they're my words. What Jesus said was that no one who had ever been born was greater than John. So what then constitutes greatness? there are people who've been known as great. There's Vladimir the Great, Alexander the Great, Peter the Great, Sijong the Great and Herod the Great, to name but a few. What had these people done to deserve such titles? It was mainly because those individuals undertook huge building projects or successfully waged war and won battles or were wise and compassionate rulers. In the case of John, Jesus named him the greatest, yet John never promoted himself in any way. He deserved respect because he put aside his own self-interests to serve others. True greatness is where one sets aside their own interests in order to serve others. John was a humble man. He never ruled over anyone. He never had great possessions. He never gave huge sums of money to the poor. He never fought battles with a warring enemy. He lived the way he lived and did what he did, faithful to the call God had given him. He served God and with courage and humility. His message was delivered without fear or favor and turned people from their wicked ways and turned them back to living good, clean, wholesome, godly lives. That's where true greatness lies, in being an instrument for the benefit of others. In this corrupt day and age in which we live we need people like John who will stand up and fearlessly call sin by its right name and denounce it and convict people of the evil and bring them back to honor God to live pure clean lives it is disgusting when someone claims to be out of their right mind when they have severely harmed or killed others and so get a light sentence. It is disgusting when business people and politicians do secret deals out of the public eye to satisfy their selfish ambitions. It is disgusting that drug dealers are destroying the lives of young people just to get wealthy. And it's disgusting when police get involved in rackets, when they should be upholding and policing the law. It is disgusting when media, the public media, promotes TV shows like partner swapping instead of promoting virtue and fidelity. Oh, that we had great people like John who are prepared to put aside self My friends, this is a challenge for me and it's a challenge for you. Will you speak out against telling dirty jokes? Will you speak out against stealing stuff that rightfully belongs to your employer? Will you stop telling those white lies? And are you prepared to be pure? You need to be as the Messiah is coming again, this time to take with him to heaven all those who, like John, have been faithful to him. There is no place in heaven for the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and anyone who loves and practices falsehood. I want to be with the Messiah Jesus who gave up so much for me, and I hope you do too. Until next time, this is Len, signing off and wishing you God's blessings and the courage to do what you know is right.
2: The mountains of desperation. You have climbed, you have fought, you have won. But this valley that lies coldly before you casts a shadow that you cannot overcome. just when you thought you had it all together You knew every verse to get you through But this time all the sorrow Broke more than just your heart And reciting all those verses just won't do